Go ahead, give the people your um, your yo yo yo. Yo yo yo! Welcome back to the podcast. Hello, Rusty. Mm. Mm. I'm Shan. Pronouns they them theirs. And I'm Franklin. Pronouns he him his. Shan. This is episode. 10 of the podcast meaning what what does that mean that is the end of season one period (laughs) now we don't know that every season is going to be 10 episodes okay the first season is 10 episodes and this is the last episode before our little hiatus yes from january June. JJ. JJ. So for this final episode, we're going to be having a conversation on trauma, but... Specifically, childhood trauma. But... But before we get into the goodness of the podcast, before we get to the chocolate center... Oh, wow. Oh, wow. You said what's got me fucked up? <laughs> the chocolate center. I'm so good. <laughs> yes, what's got you <laughs> fucked up? What has got me fucked up? Being an adult has got me fucked up. Tell us more. Just why why must I have to be on this on this planet in this country having to We going right back to it. We go talk well, I feel like we talk we, about this every Well we going right back to Franklin. Capitalism, mental health, capitalism, toxic relationships, unhealthy relationships. Mm-hmm. Okay, so finish telling me what got you fucked up. Capitalism. Capitalism, adulting, having to make decisions. Why can't food just be given to me for free? Why can't housing be free? Just these kinds of things that, you know, and we touched on this before. If I was. Natural selection, you know, we were we were selected to, to be on this earth. We should be rewarded by living a sustainable life. So, why is the cost of living so damn high? Makes no fucking sense. None. It makes it hard to sustain a lifestyle. Mm. Yeah. Only got twenty dollars to have fun. Oh my god, not to have fun. <laughs> if I'd be feeling not to have fun. Not to have fun. No, but it doesn't have to be that expensive. It doesn't. It doesn't. So Shan, what has got you fucked up this week? <clears throat> this lifeguarding company. Mm. I went to go to the pool earlier this week at my apartment complex and the lifeguard was over an over 45 minutes late. I left after waiting for 45 minutes. I was done. But I don't know what time, if ever, they arrived. And I wanted to go swimming. Okay. I wanted to go. Fuck that lifeguard. So... They really had me fucked up. I just want to swim. <laughs> I just want 
Because it feels good to be in the water. It feels so uh. good. It feels so good to be in the water. Especially the summer. Mm-hmm. It's just started. Ooh. Let's hit a water park. Ooh. It'd be good. It'd be so fucking good. <clears throat> so, Shane. So, Franklin. We have a couple questions that we wrote down. Do, would you like to start, or would you like me to ask you a question? Well, before we jump into the questions, no. are you ta- are you referencing aces at all? No. Okay. No. 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 I only asked the one question. Oh, you did. You did. That was good. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cool. All right, well, you, yeah, kick it off. Ask me your, your first question. Do you think trauma impacts your relationship? Yes, um, especially when you talk about attachment, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm reading all about. You're so ready. <laughs> You're so ready. I've been reading Poly Secure by Jessica Fern, which is all about trauma and attachment and non-monogamy, mm-hmm. actually. I think that it's a good read whether or not you're non-monogamous because, I mean, it really goes in depth mm-hmm. about attachment styles and attachment theory, but in relation to non-monogamy now, we're not talking about non-monogamy on this podcast, on this episode, but uh, in regards to my childhood trauma, yes, it impacts how I show up in relationships and um, how I attach to people. I have abandonment issues. Listen, I got a ticket number, one million three hundred eight. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've I've been working through through that and I've worked through a good bit of it um, in sessions and all that jazz but I also know enough to know that irregardless of how much healing I've done my history is still my history and Mm -hmm. it's still going to have its influence on my life Um, but I know a little more now and I can recognize certain things and I know the way that I want to show up in relationships, yeah. right? Uh, but it's all about like being aware of that and when it's happening and to call it out and hold space for those parts of you. But I'm clingy. I was about to ask you, how do you show up? Or how <laughs> <laughs> you said you're clingy. I'm Tell clingy. me more. I wanna, I wanna be around you. I wanna be like on you, like. And this is not just like special relationships, I guess. Um, But like, I really enjoy quality time. Mm -hmm. And I think there's several reasons for that. Just spending time with the people that you know and love is special. but I also didn't get a lot of my parents' time 
right? Like yeah, yes. there wasn't a lot of quality time in that sense of like not okay that is misrepresented because we did have quality time but it wasn't with the frequency yeah right um so now for in my within my lifetime to this point I desire time with people. And let's say for Faye's sake, when I don't get that time, my response to that is influenced by my history. Right, so now I'm like in crisis probably for example, you know, uh, disappointment, triggering, because it's a form of rejection. Well, not inherently a form of rejection, but in this context that we're speaking about, not spending time with a person or having plans canceled or rescheduled is like, oh, that's a letdown. And then I don't get the time that I was planning on getting. And you could know the reason for that, but when you have such a foundation, sometimes it goes back to, well, why don't they want to spend time with me? What makes me not good enough? Mm -hmm. So my oh trauma my shows up in that way as well. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's just one of those. What about... What about you? I mean, it sounds like you can relate. No, <laughs> not at all. And I mean, you know, first of all, <laughs> let me say, I know, <laughs> I know you well enough to know you, but yeah, for the sake of the people, for the sake of the people. Yeah. You know, part of getting to know myself is understanding how you brought up showing up in relationships. I didn't know how I showed up in relationships for a long time. I was just like, hey, I'm just here to, I guess, make you laugh and whatever the case. But trauma does show up. The abandonment issues for me does show up as well. Um, mm -hmm. Communication was something that is something that is still developing. <laughs> in a, in a we're on a healthier path, I hope, because um, there's a lot of things that I'm that I used to repeat, like not speaking up for myself, not um, expressing what I need, which I still do, and I gotta get better at. But now I feel like I'm more, I'm well, much more equipped to identify when it is showing up, and even reflecting on like the type of friendships that I've had. Or just relationships, relationships overall, I'm like, damn. People really be helping you discover yourself. And then you're like, damn, this is a fucking trauma-based response, isn't it? What is not a trauma-based response within relationships? Tired of it. So I'd say that it shows up in abandonment, communication. Those are the, the biggest two for me. And I also like quality time. It's very important because I also didn't receive a lot of quality, quality time um, from my family. 
It, it felt like it was just me alone doing what I had to do. Uh, obviously, there's like the roof and the food, but then everything else is like, oh, you're by yourself. So a level of support was lacking growing up. What is emotionally showing up for children? That's not important. You just need to make sure that they eat and that they got a home, and then what else could they possibly need? Well, emotional need that they still exist. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? I didn't know that was a thing. Motherfuckers. But no, for real, that's, that shit is wild. The emotional need experience wasn't important. Especially being someone who was left alone for so many parts of my child. I'm like, listen, we gonna have to do better. But then it's like the argument of like, we, wait, they're working. They can't be here. Ain't no one in. Ain't no one in. Because there's the necessity, right, of having mm -hmm. to provide. And unfortunately, people often are not paid what they're worth. And that makes it harder to survive and sustain yourself. So you have to break your back, so to speak, to just get by. And in doing that, you're missing out on other stuff and fulfilling other needs, right? But it's, it's circumstance. That is the life and the experience of many children and it like goes across classes mm. but we're affected differently within oh, yeah. those classes because if you're of a lower class then you have maybe like to struggle to get by mm. or paycheck to paycheck life whereas if you're you know of a higher class then those basic needs um of like having enough mm -hmm. food enough clothing having enough of your needs met in that way um, you have that, you don't have to worry, you don't see the, the, the struggle because there is none in that sense, right? But then the parent in that scenario is still not showing up and that they are working 80 plus hour weeks mm. because that's the demand of the job and because, you know, maybe for some, it's their choice to work an 80-hour week instead of a 60-hour week, which is still more than a 40-hour week. But again, <laughs> if you get into like work culture, and that's just a whole other mm -hmm. like rabbit hole. But anyway, which impacted us as children then, and it impacts us now as adults, right? Like, anyway, because it's all just so connected and systems that just always getting us. Anyway, walking it back a little bit. Um, you have to support, right, support the family. But you also have to nurture the child. Yes. 
And sometimes, if you're doing one, you can't do the other, unfortunately. Or maybe you, you think you're doing both because you're doing one, you know? And not, typically that one that you're doing isn't nurturing the child. It's right. supporting the family. Yeah, yeah that's... <sighs> it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. Socioeconomic status, Jesus. Yeah. SES. SES, man. It's like the, the the culture of needing to hustle, needing to survive, right? The and grind. We, come on. <laughs> and we've touched on this before. Survival. You know, it's survival needing like money and having shelter and food takes a priority over emotional needs, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it speaks to, and we'll talk about generational trauma as we go on in this episode, I think it touches on that too, because now looking at my parents, I'm like, you're at a better place. Why are you still in this mindset of, I need to hustle and I need to struggle? When are you going to live your life? When are you going to sustain yourself emotionally and give yourself what you need and give um, your children what they need? Yeah, it's like being stuck in survival mode. Yeah, so I th that's my take on on that. I think that 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 form of struggle. I mean, I don't want to call it a struggle mentality, though. I don't know. You can just wherever I said you can just cut it there. I don't know. I have anything else to say. <laughs> well, why don't you want to call it a struggle mentality? Because sometimes, because you got people who are struggling, you know? And that's all they know. And, I mean, it is, it is like, like I said, being stuck in survival mode, though. You have that perception. I like that better. I like you have that, that perception that you are still in this place where you're not. And mm -hmm. you don't realize that you don't have to work as hard to survive and sustain yourself. Yeah. But then you also get into like the 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 culture of having things, right? And and like keeping up appearances and luxury and all that jazz. You put that on there nice. and then it's a different level because then you might be living while you're making like decent enough you know, you might be living above your means. So that's putting yes. you in a place of struggle when you don't necessarily have to be. You better come through. <laughs> Shit, it makes me want to talk about patriarchal society and keeping up appearances, the expectations put on women to have to, have to uphold so many things. Get the fuck out of here, yo. <laughs> that in itself can be traumatic. Because mm -hmm. I even think about my mother. She has, and I've had to challenge it so much, she's had this perception of what the model woman is and what the model woman should do. Mm. And I'm like, no. One, why are you talking about women 
as if they're not enough if they don't clean their homes? Why are you talking about women as if they're below you because of how they perceive sex? No. It's absolutely ridiculous. And you're upholding this toxic mentality of you needing to be perfect and also managing relationships so that your image is viewed positively and nobody talks badly about you, right? And that's just, that's not, that's not good. It's not going to help you. Constantly having to manage and, and that's a lot. That's a lot. And coming from an environment where you have to navigate that and kind of show up for her how she wants you to show up so that people don't talk about you and your family, that's exhausting. That is exhausting. Yeah, it sounds exhausting. Okay. Who has the time? Children, apparently, have the time. Mm. Yeah. Do you relate to any of that? Not really. And it's because I think that, well, in a sense, yes, and in a sense, no. Mm -hmm. But, like, I grew up with my mother and my aunt primarily. So, like, my aunt raised me. My mother was the main breadwinner growing up. And then for most of my life, I lived with my grandparents uh, in different capacities. Mm -hmm. So from 4 to 11, I lived with just my mom and my aunt, like, as the leaders of the household, I'll say. And then, like, I also lived with my cousins during that time and my sister. Um... But in terms of, like, the grind and the getting by, I definitely relate. Mm -hmm. Religion plays more Mm. of a role or played more of a role for me than, like, in terms of, like, my mother's perceptions of things because she is very religious and we did go to church and shit like that. Um, But in terms of like her ideas of what a woman should be, what I think, when I think of that, I think of whatever she modeled, Mm -hmm. which was like working hard, but working hard to like get by, you know? Uh, And then I had my aunt who was working and caregiving. And then when my mother got off work, she wouldn't be home typically. (laughs) She'd be out of the home. And so that comes to play because then you have the absence for me. So it's like, yes, I relate, but not in every way. Okay, Shane, you want to ask the next question? What dynamics are or have been triggering to you? I should have said, I should have written it. What dynamics have not been triggering to you? (laughs) Let me stop playing. There are... I mean, you don't have to list them off or anything. If you want to just, like, pick, like, the top Mm -hmm. one or few, you know? 
that's cool too. I'd say avoidance of conflict or something might happen, right? And either it's not spoken of because then it's going to just like play around in my head and like float. And then I'm like, oh, now I have to think about this. Like, just what the fuck? It's just there. Mm-hmm. Um, because then, then there's no true resolution to it or no true understanding, right? And then that ties back into, you know, having friendships that foster that type of communication and challenge you in that way, which has been helpful. Uh, so that's one for sure. So things going unspoken and then acting like things are okay seconds later is not the vibe for me. Cause I'm like, what the fuck? And that's part of the issues when I when I was when I was growing up is having that happen constantly, like the the back and forth. Like, can we please? Can we please fix this mm-hmm. instead of acting like nothing happened? That's not cool with me. Being in a space that's inconsistent. And when I say inconsistent, like there's a lot of negative energy because of repeated cycles. That puts me in a state of anxiety that I don't like. Um, people putting their stuff on others and not reflecting on their own stuff and how that's impacting the other people in the space. That is not a good dynamic for me either. And then just any dynamics that reinforces any of the isms. <laughs> I think that, and we'll tie on, we'll tie um, that into identities later on, but that definitely is triggering for me because it invalidates me in certain spaces and I don't feel considered a lot of times. A lot of my identities don't feel and have not felt seen in a lot of spaces, especially when I'm around family. So it kind of puts me in a state of shut down, like I'm not involved, minding my business. What yeah. about you? Making plans and then not following through. Mm-hmm. And then to really drive it home not even acknowledging mm. Mm. that there was lack of follow-through. Talk about triggered. Okay. Talk about triggered. Are you my dad? I'm sorry. I used to hate promises for that reason. Like a person couldn't say the word promise to me. They'd be like, I promise I would please don't <laughs> pass. Thanks, but no thanks. Keep it. I'm better now. Mm-hmm. We can we can say the word promise and it's okay. I recognize that um, not everyone is my dad. <laughs> and also that you there can be a confrontation which doesn't have to be nasty or negative, you know. I think that's what people go to when they think confrontation. And I grew up around violent people. So confrontation historically hasn't been great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And usually comes with 
some extra stuff. But, you know, through life experiences and unlearning and, and relearning differently, um, I understand that conflict doesn't have to be nasty, doesn't have to be negative, okay. doesn't have to be violent. Um, and it can be done healthily, which is important when it's a part of navigating relationships. <laughs> I can relate to a lot that you're saying from the the promises. <laughs> I used to feel the same. Don't don't act like you're going to be part of my life and then not be part of my life. And then don't show up and expect me to respect you as if you have been part of my life every single day. I don't know you. Mm. <laughs> and then with the conflict, it's like this. there's this perception you tell me if this is how you how I felt for you at the time or times this perception of if I come up to you and if I tell you what's affecting me then that's going to lead to an issue it's going to lead to it to an argument oh, I'm going to be invalidated but then in turn the same shit that people avoid is the same shit they're doing to their children what mm -hmm. and that's another dynamic I can't get down with how am I trying to express to you what I'm feeling, but you're invalidating it and making it seem as if you're more important? It's not about you. I'm just communicating something about me. Is it possible to hear it without shutting, my, shutting me out and starting to construct a way to defend yourself? Why are you trying to defend yourself when someone is literally just telling you how they feel? Because people don't like to be wrong or imperfect or less than hmm. whatever they think they are doing like you know if i tell you um you don't show up for me mm -hmm. because you don't call me okay and you tell me that i don't call you oh, <laughs> oh wow if you don't shut the fuck up If you don't shut the fuck up and sit with it, feel it. Because you know, it, it, it's the uncomfortable feeling. I think what I said was, I'd like for you to call me more. Mm -hmm. You don't call me now. What you heard was, an attack. Mm -hmm. What I conveyed was pain. Yes. So now you're in defense mode, and okay. I'm in the wrong. But I'm a child, as you like to remind me. You're the parent, as you like to claim. There was a post on Facebook uh, talking about corporal punishment. And it was talking about power and control within like the parent and child relationship. So the post was saying something along the lines of, there's a, you wanting to hit your children is you being reminded that you were beat as a kid. So now you want to switch roles so that you can feel in control. And that's why you beat your kid because you couldn't defend yourself as, as a kid. So now the way to internally defend your, your inner child is by hitting your child. Damn. Damn. All I know is that that person didn't have to be that loud. <laughs> I feel like there's that. 
And then there's also, you can't stand not being in control. Okay. And you are upset and you want to control the situation mm -hmm. and make the child listen to you. Which... Feel like just feel like that's not the way to go. We could just not do it that way. We can use our, our words. Yeah. And it kills me that people want to be validated and want their emotional needs to be met but are incapable, and I'm saying people, in my mind, I have specific people in my head, but you don't want to be available to people who need you in that way. You can't reciprocate. Mm. And I think that that's funny. How is mental health not a thing? How is anxiety, stress, depression, et cetera, not a thing when you are experiencing it yourself and you want support around it? But then when it's brought up, by someone else who needs you, you're incapable of doing it. I mean, it's it's all about the cycle of not having had your needs met mm -hmm. and not knowing how to meet your child's needs because you never had your needs met as a child. Yeah. <sighs> like, historically, children were meant to be, and uh, when I talk about, like, historically, I think of in this country and also, like, in general because child labor, right? Like children mm -hmm. are meant to be seen, not heard. They're meant to work, right? We had them as helpers. Education is not important. You need to work for a living. Right. That's where that comes from. So, and then when you talk about like black children in the state specifically, there's the history of like slavery and what that did to to the black child because you had to be a certain way and if you weren't this way then there were serious repercussions and that is also why corporal punishment was used because you had to understand you had to submit in this certain way mm -hmm. um, and there was no second option because the other option was death it's like wow There's a lot of history there, and then you get into the cycle of couldn't defend myself when I was younger, defending myself now. And then it goes on and on and on. Until somebody makes the decision to communicate differently with their child. But it's hard to break the cycle. It is hard to break the cycle, and it makes me think of being parentified because um, you were talking about, you know, the child is help was helpful. Talking about like the industrial revolution and all of that, right? Yes. Um, Come on. I'm weak. <laughs> 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 it makes me think of um, being parentified, like the instrumental parentification versus like the emotional parentification. Parentification. That's what you're making me think of, right? Because, ooh, we can get into that one. We can get into that one. Because that's, that's been part of me breaking down and understanding how the fuck I got 
where the fuck I got to. Mm. Being a parentified child, the level of codependence that my mother has, that my family has with me, mm. it's absolutely bizarre. And the fact that it just plays out in the background, yeah. And it, it's a cycle, like you said, it's passed down because she was parentified, so now I'm parentified. And now I need to actively work on it because I can unconsciously parentify because the likelihood of me parentifying my child is, is high. But I guess it's the partner's, um, when you get into a romantic relationship, it's your partner's job to give you that. It's your partner's job to be your emotional everything. Um, Alternatively, we can learn how to show up for ourselves emotionally <laughs> and not make someone else our sole support system. We can learn how to support ourselves and mm -hmm. hold space for ourselves. And I'm not saying that your partner can't be that person, but I don't right. think that your partner should only be, or I don't think your partner should be the only person you have as a support, I think you should learn how to mm -hmm. be a support for yourself. Okay. And let other people show up for you too. But that's just me. <laughs> I mean, look, that's the challenge that I've had. Being parentified, having to do so much on my own, being independent and growing up too fast, I don't tend to le lean on people for, for Hashtag hyper-independence. Okay. Mm. Anyway, you touched on something and it's mm -hmm. like, I think it flows well into the next question that you have on there about generational. Mm. What generational traumas have you recognized, I believe? Yes, you better know question. it. And you already led us there. You said parentification. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's really important. When I think of my family generationally, I think a lot about young parents because my grandmother had her first child at 15. Well, she was married at 15, had her first child at 16, and my mother had my brother when she was 16. My brother and I are 18 years apart. There is a larger gap between my brother and I than there is between my brother and my mother. Just let that sink in wow. for a second. <laughs> my brother and my mother are 16 years apart. My brother and I are 18 years apart. And then my older brother and I are 22 years apart. That's my father's son. My father and my brother are 19 years apart. Wow. Isn't that wild? That is very wild. Yeah, I have some large age gap siblings. I think of my family and my extended family. And I keep hearing these sentiments of, we're not, we're not a unified family. We have so many problems. We don't help each other. And I'm like, I don't know how much of a broken record I can be. Y'all are stuck talking about these same issues. Nobody wants to do anything about it. Mm. And I hate to go there. I hate to go there, right? Because obviously the family is not in one location. So that already is a geographical limitation to challenging whatever fucking dynamics are showing up, bitches, to the dynamics. The dynamics are the bitches. So, <laughs> <laughs> but that's how I feel. I'm like, yeah. And part of me, ugh, detaching 
from the enmeshment is me letting those dynamics be. Because that's none of my business. It shouldn't be my business if it doesn't want to change, you know? Mm-hmm. If, if, if it's too de- it's deeply embedded, there might be nothing that I can do. I don't have that kind of power. So what, that's one of the, the um, traumas that I've noticed. I mean, going back to being able to freely talk about how you feel and just hearing people out, acknowledging that your parents might have had you fucked up, but they gave me food and shelter. Yeah, they did, but that doesn't negate the fact that they had you fucked up. Right. And their parents had them fucked up, too. Yeah, I think a part of getting there is the recognition and or acceptance of your parents are people. Mm-hmm. And they're not perfect, and they might not be superheroes. And, I mean, right. I think for some people they had it all, and that's great for them. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of people like us, they didn't have it all. And there's this slow recognition of perhaps my parent gave all that they could as a parent. They just weren't, yes. they just weren't good parents. Doesn't mean that they're bad people, just mm-hmm. means that they weren't good parents. And I think for some people that's a lot to to take on and accept. And I think most of all it's hard for the parents to accept that they weren't good parents. Mm-hmm. A lot of them anyway. <sighs> it took me a while to get there that like considering the possibility that my parents did the best that they could. And it's unfortunate, highly unfortunate, that that was their best. But it was. Mm. And I'm not so angry about it anymore. I'm still angry about it. But I'm not so angry about it anymore. Um, But I have that recognition. And if I am to be a parent, I know how I want to show up for my child or children. Mm -hmm. But I want to do that on purpose and I want to have kids on purpose and that's the only way I'll have kids so that stops with me and it stops with me listen you gonna be on we, we, we both gonna be on these paths and we gonna see each other grow and it's gonna be fucking glorious I agree. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> listen. Yeah. I, uh, since we're talking about generational trauma and breaking it or molding it to whatever fits for you, whatever, you know, you take bits and pieces of it. And the other thing, I'm, I'm going to discard it. Bye. Um, makes me think back to the parentification point, right? Mm-hmm. And I've been... To your point, I, I had to accept where they are, but living with them is re-traumatizing me to the point where I'm mm. like, fuck you. I want nothing to do with you. <laughs> That's what's happening for me. So I think that part of the parentification is you stepping outside of that, for me at least, stepping outside of, I keep saying the enmeshment, right, that I'm in with my family is in a way me still parenting my parents. Mm-hmm. I'll elaborate. Me finding <laughs> you ready? Yes, you say you don't have to say tell us more. <laughs> tell me. Um 
me showing up for myself. Oh, this is such a hard pill to swallow. Me showing up for myself, me valuing what I need, my emotional needs, me um, being a model of, I mean, I'm trying to be a healthy model for my siblings and being vocal about what's impacting me, how I feel about topics and creating a space for people to be people mm-hmm. is in a way me reparenting my parents, mm-hmm. me focusing on me, me in the future having which I hope a healthy family with healthy dynamics is in itself me reparenting my parents. Mm-hmm. I tell my siblings, the parents you have today are not going to be the parents you have when you're in your 20s and in your 30s. So whatever you're experiencing now is not going to be the same. I just want you to know. So I often think about, you know, what is my family going to look like when I have a family? How are my parents going to react to the way in which I handle things? Yeah. You know, if my child is like, I want to look, I want to color my hair. Emphasis on how I said child. Mm-hmm. Okay. I hear you. Ain't no, I didn't assign anything to anyone. Okay. That's popping. We going to the salon? Yes. I think my mother would have a fit. <laughs> what is going on? You just let your child do anything. I'm letting my child express himself. Damn it. Come on. Who the fuck said? Who the fuck came in the game? Who the fuck said? Girls can't dye their hair before a certain age because that'll make them too fast. No, that'll make you fast, bitch. You are the fast bitch. Why are you an adult talk? I went to a whole different place, but this is traumatizing on its own for people. How the fuck are you going to tell a child that she is too fast? Why are you seeing the child in that way? The child is trying to live and be a child. Listen, too fast? Is it opening the gates of fucking? Because that's what their mind goes to. Why are you thinking about fucking when you're thinking about children? What type of control tactics are these? We sexualize children way too much. Too fucking much. Way too much. Your child playing with a fucking pink car. The child sees the car, not the pink, baby. You see the pink. You are making the association. So you are the problem. Mm. (laughs) Have you noticed any other? (laughs) Little boys can't play with dolls. They can't. Because then they're going to be gay. (laughs) They're going to be what? They're going to be gay. (laughs) It's wrong to be gay. Can't be gay. It's June. They can be gay. Gay is bad. Let them be gay. It's June. It's Pride Month. They can be gay. Only in June. July comes. Okay. It's just interesting that um, people know you better than you know yourself. Mm, tell us more. They, they know you, apparently. They know you more than you. You can't mm. tell them who you are because, oh, no, that's not you. You lying. You don't know who you are. Oh, wow. Can you find... But you know who I am? (laughs) Damn, the last time I checked, I was just trying to live my life. I was trying to live my life. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know about nouns and possessions. Come on. I, my, mine. (laughs) Who? Mine. Mine. Yours. I, me, mine. Mm -hmm. My life that I was trying to live for me. Okay. I was doing it in my life. For who? Me. And it was mine. 
Not yours. Did I dye your hair? Oh, I didn't. Oh, you're right. Um, did I put the fucking pink car in your face and tell you to roll it back and forth? Did I ask to polish your nails? Did I say I want you to wear the fishnets? It makes me sick. It makes me sick, too. And it's like you just want a reason to be upset. Because you're making yourself upset at this point because you can't mind your motherfucking business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And why is it so hard to just try to understand why someone wants to do something and because have a conversation about it? self-expression is just too much to swallow. It's too big. Got to chop it up in pieces to swallow it. Do you have any... Well, do you connect to any of the generational... I'm trying to find the word. Um, the ways in which generational trauma has shown up in my family. Do you relate to any of those? And if you do, what I'd ask. <laughs> or do you have any other ones that you think of? Uh, when I think of parentification, I can definitely relate. Mm -hmm. uh, I had to raise myself in certain ways. And like just by design, my mother not being around and my father obviously not being around. Um, and like, so. In certain ways, I did have to parent myself, and um, I had to just, like, struggle through life and loneliness and in certain ways. But, like, I have, and I had my sister back then, and, like, I had cousins, but they also are, like, six, seven years older than me. So there's just a lot of, like, different dynamics when it comes to um, parentification in that because of age gap for me and in my family since I am youngest by so much. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of other stuff that you said that I could relate or that I might relate to. But you asked me something else. You said if not. Oh, if you have any that you can think of for your family. Mm. I think like communication or lack thereof in certain senses, like not talking about certain things, mm -hmm. oh not, really <laughs> not really talking about like the more emotional side of things or having certain stigma attached to, attached to a certain transparency and intergenerational communication. Mm -hmm. Uh, which I am the least of that. Like, I'm like, no, we're we're talking about this. We're talking about it. Mm -hmm. um, I think of this unspoken. Understanding of like. We see wrong happening, but we're not going to do anything about it. It's like, I, and it, it, it's especially true with like violence. Like, I know you beating the shit out of this person, but I ain't gonna say nothing about it. 
I ain't going to say nothing about it because you, you want this to happen to you. I don't know if that's how you've heard it, but that's how I've heard it. And I'm just like, what the fuck? That's wild. Nobody wants to be abused, but people want to blame victims of abuse. Mm-hmm. But nobody wants to be abused. Mm. Please continue, because that's, that's a... Mm. It's just wild. Like, but we know that's not right. We know that's wrong. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to sit idly by. And then when you grow up in that culture, you don't really know better. Or you're afraid to know better and do better. And it just perpetuates the cycle. And it goes on and on and on. This is dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this episode is But it's true. Like it's 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 the truth and it's heavy and it's our truth, right? And it's mm-hmm. it's authentic. And I think being able to talk about it so extensively and so transparently, it's important. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. And I think that is a way to stop the perpetuation of the cycle. You better. <laughs> yeah, creating more exposure is good. This <laughs> 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 uh, just so it keeps on going and going and going. We can talk about this for hours. We really can. Do you identify heavily with your trauma? Ooh, that's a really good question. Do I identify with my trauma? I think that I want to. I want to say no, but I don't think that that's true. Mm. In what ways do you think you identify with it? I need to think a little bit on this one. Hmm. So if you have an answer to it, please feel free. I'm I'm a little stuck. When I think of like like we were talking about earlier, quality time, mm-hmm. I think about embracing that like neediness. Mm. And I like call it out kinda early on, like or just not even necessarily like calling it out, but like acknowledging that that exists and like that's what I need. Sometimes I need more closeness and that creates like a vulnerability and a lot of people don't have that vulnerability and they don't desire to have that vulnerability Mm -hmm. and then that's just not a good match. (laughs) Simply, but um, I like people who can show up for me. Yes. And I like it when people show up for me. I love it when people show up for me. And I think I've done a good job of surrounding myself with people I can show up for me and people I can show up for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and having that reciprocity is important to me. And I don't necessarily 
I think that's a healthy way that I've like grown from that trauma and that like traumatic experience of not having people there and like that like isolation and fear of isolation. But it still resonates because there are still times when like I'll be by myself and I will be alone and I'll feel lonely. Like and I'll just kind of allow myself to sit in that space, which sometimes is a good thing, sometimes isn't a good thing. But I try not to always fill all of my spaces because I want to leave room for me to be comfortable with being alone. And it's not always a bad thing to be by yourself. Hmm. I like that response a lot. You sparked a lot in my mind. Thank you. You're welcome. So when I, I like that you, you said you identify with it by sitting with it and you've, you've modified it too to be able to communicate what you need and that's dope as shit. For me, I think I've, the way that I've identified with it throughout my life or have identified with it is, I would say, in a negative or unproductive way. <laughs> Because I've kind of, it's that the independence part again, right? You said hyper-independence, right? Is that what you said? Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, it's part of that. So instead of taking it on and being like, oh, okay, this is what I need. Sometimes I just need to sit down and figure out what the fuck I need. Because there might come a time when I need support and I don't have the answers. Mm-hmm. I have that. I have that too, though. Yeah. Don't let me. Yeah. Don't let me like Tell make it me. seem like it's all rainbows and cupcakes. Oh, because boo, you, you know, know. <laughs> <laughs> you know how we are. Because <laughs> you know, I can do it. I got it. Okay. I don't need help. Some people are not reliable. Growing up, a lot of people were not reliable. Mm-mm. They're not gonna show up for you. Especially being the one that is reliable. Mm. Oh no. Mm. But please. Th- me. No, because I got it. I can do it. You need help? Nope. But that's because I'm I'm so used to people not helping. <laughs> yeah. Like, or saying that they're going to help and then don't help. That and people not being fully invested in trying to figure out what you need, mm-hmm. right? But demand so much of you. But then if you get overwhelmed, you can't express that you are overwhelmed and that you need help because no one is listening. At least that's in my experience. And then it leads to a breakdown. And then the gaslighting comes out. Tell us. Tell me. That's that's the cycle of my, my struggle with my family as this being that can fucking mitigate issues and find solutions for whatever they need. Mm. Whenever I would express, you know, this is how I get when I'm stressed. You're not used to seeing this part of me. Don't take it as me attacking you. Take it as me needing help. So how can you help me in these moments when I'm super stressed? Don't gaslight me. Don't gaslight me. 
and don't give me <laughs> give me something else to work on so that I can meet your needs when I'm explicitly telling you what the fuck I was feeling and what the fuck I needed. Mm. And then in turn, you're going to tell me that it's my fault because I put myself in that position and then try to take it back. That's wild to me. You did it. You caused this. I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. Because that recently happened to me, and I told you about that. Mm -hmm. I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. I'm like, damn. This is fucked up. I don't like it. And being in that being in that space puts me in a place where I emotionally regress because I'm reliving what I've lived. And I know that even if I try to challenge it, that there won't be a solution. So I'm still stuck in that. So it's like, okay, so what the fuck can I do? All I can do is figure out what distance I need and take care of myself outside of that space. There you go. Because I can't be... No, I can't continue to ignore myself, ignore myself, ignore myself, ignore myself. That's not doing anything for me. I think you've done a good job of like recognizing when you need something and you're not getting it. Yeah. Yeah. Like recognizing that, oh, I need space and time to process and like heal from this experience. Because if I'm in the environment where the hurt occurred. I'm not going to be able to heal it mm-hmm. in, that, in that way. Part of the reason why I find a way to... And, you know, I've been trying to figure out where the line lies between avoidance and survival for me. Mm-hmm. Whereas... <laughs> no, that was real. <laughs> because in the past, it was more of a survival no i mean it was survival right Mm -hmm. but i guess the avoidance was higher than i'm gonna go in my room i'm not going to i don't want to be around you and now it's showing up and i'm like where does that line lie for me today versus in the past right am i leaving the space because i'm avoiding the issue no i'm not avoiding the issue because i'm much more vocal about it today and what kills me is that I hate being praised for things that I do. I hear fi- I hate finding out that I'm being praised for things that I do and for things that I'm being disrespected for doing. Mm. What that makes no sense to me. How are you going to praise me for something while talking to another motherfucker but then slap me in the face not literally verbally slap yeah. me in the face. <laughs> It's wild. Yeah, that that is that 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 shit is wild. <laughs> that is wild. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Something that comes up for me when we talk about trauma, especially like childhood, is loss, which ties into my mm-hmm. fear and feelings around abandonment because I've lost a lot in my life and a lot of it has been death loss like um when i was eight i had two 
really significant death losses, like July and then September. And it was devastating. And then when I was 11, yeah, there was another type of loss. There was like a traumatic event and then the loss was like another traumatic event. So there's a lot that comes up when you talk about abandonment and recognizing what you need and like emotional need and there's a lot that is there for me that I have unpacked and some that I have yet to unpack. But um, I think it really speaks to how resilient we are as people, especially emotionally. And I think like we're pretty emotionally intelligent people, you and I, like, mm-hmm. yeah. which is really fantastic when you think about our roots. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. damn. <laughs> that like, like we've really went and we went and rebuilt a lot of that foundation for ourselves. And I think we've had a good solid foundation in certain ways. Um, but I think that there's cracks also. Oh, yeah. I like that. That picture of cracks. Mm. That's very small imagery. <laughs> but, like, and I think we've, like, gone back through some some spackle, though, you know? And, like, we've closed up a lot of those cracks. But, like, it's not like we tore the foundation down and then rebuilt it again. Right. It still exists. Like everything that happened is still there. Just went back and closed up those cracks, you know. But there's still. It still isn't as if they were solid from the beginning. You said imagery. Because you, <laughs> you you came through. You came to fuck through. You sparked something for me. What was it? I forget. Hmm. I hate when this shit happens. Foundation. Every time. Cracks. Um. Come on, keywords. (laughs) (laughs) Foundation cracks. Everything that happened is still there. We didn't tear down and start over. I don't know exactly what I was thinking, but I don't know. I've, I've had these thoughts before. Like, okay, so I am an agent of change within my family, which you mentioned earlier, I think. It's a, it's a hard thing to be the one that's wanting to break the cycle. That's what you talked about, right? We were talking about generational yeah. trauma. And I'm like, I know good and well that there is more to me than having to break this shit. Of course. Do you ever feel like, oh, so now this universe or wants me to be the one to do this shit? Why? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think and then that's when you get into a lot of conversation about purpose. Mm. 
and 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 greater greater purpose and higher beings because that's where we give our reasoning that's how we get our reasonings right like come on verbiage everything everything happens for a reason god don't give me more than i can bear or god wouldn't give me more than i can bear it's a popular one amongst the religious um Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get more than I could handle, is another way to say it, um, for those of us who are less religious. That screams toxic positivity to me, but that's none of my business, because I do not partake or, you know, in those beliefs, but do respect those that do. Okay. And I know we haven't talked much about well we've talked about it but not like explicitly like this is an episode on religion and how we feel about it no I (laughs) (laughs) look I just think that it's very individualized and everybody should have their own connection with whomever they believe in whatever they believe in yeah I think it's important to to believe in something higher than self Mm -hmm. or not I mean but when you talk about not that puts more pressure and more emphasis on morality, I think, in in the human capacity. And by design, we're just very flawed, and we have the capacity of both good and evil, and a lot of us Mm -hmm. have a lot of good, and a lot of us have a lot of evil. Um, And a lot of us are in between. We do a little of both. And for a lot of people, that message is gone with the wind. Yeah, man, this episode is just deep. And it's making me think about just the ways in which we had to show up for ourselves when our adult adults, our parents at the time, could not. I think about FAFSA, I think about applying for, and that's what it was. I think about applying to colleges doing so many things that I didn't know how to do, trying to figure out how to do it on my own, not getting support and sitting there like, yo, what the fuck? You brought up quality time earlier. And even within this, I'm starting to recognize how important words of affirmation (laughs) is to me. And then I'm like, yeah, I definitely, yeah, yeah, no, this is something that I look for in my relationships. So being stuck in that cycle and being in that environment, again, puts me in a state of, me wanting to, and I was wondering this, but at the same time, I'm like, it's not 100% this, makes me wonder if I continue certain dynamics because I want to be recognized. And it reminds me, as a kid, I would, I would like state things that are facts or true, and I wouldn't be heard at all. But let a professional, let a doctor, let someone of whatever say it, or anyone that's not me, say the same thing that I say, that I said or say at the moment, they would be validated, they would be believed, but I would not be believed. So I would constantly be in this cycle of me wanting to figure out what version of me is enough to be believed. And that's still showing up. Like, I remember as a kid saying, I could become a doctor, I can become whatever the fuck I want to become, and I still would not be heard. Wow. Mm-hmm. Me telling you that I'm gay and 
you not believing me and asking your primary care provider if people are born gay and having that primary care tell you no and you come back to me and tell me your doctor told you no and then me telling you, have you asked other people for their opinion or just that one doctor? Because we're not considering bias, are we? Well, then there it is. And then, oh, I can't deal with this. This is a this is a a challenge to the enmeshment. So now I'm gonna go and toss you to your aunt since she has like a gay friend. She can talk to you about that. What? Mm. So, words of affirmation very important to me, and I'm starting to recognize it more and more as I go. So do you think that there is like a they, that they intertwine in any way, trauma and certain identities. The identities that you have, right? Identities, yeah, all of that, all of that goodness. In what ways? So based on the identities that you do have, right? Mm -hmm. Do you think that you experience any traumatic experiences that might have altered the way you saw yourself um, growing up, uh, it doesn't have to be only growing up, right? Maybe even as an adult. Does that does that make sense? I think so. Hmm. Um, for a long while, I used to say that I wasn't a relationship person. Hmm. And I think that was birthed out of a desire to not be vulnerably exposed mm. with other people, which comes from the trauma of not having people. Yes. And not having that security and having lost important people. I think that is why I would say that all the time. And then when I was 19 or 20, I think I was 20, I had entered a relationship and it was like a five-year relationship. So then I, I, don't, I don't think I can say that I'm not a relationship person anymore, mm. right? But I think in that relationship, I did a lot of growing as well. And even like allowing myself to be as present in that relationship as I was and to, to have the dynamics that we had, I think sort of redefined and re-identified me so that, you know, now I'm like not necessarily a relationship person, but I'm not not a relationship person. I'm a person who like engages in relationships and I like being around people and spending time with them and having fun with them and I like dating. And that's cool. I don't need a person to complete me or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but I do like when there can be some give and take, some reciprocity and we can have a good time. And that's how I've grown in that identity. That's dope. Or grown out of that identity, I guess. You said redefine you, re-identify you. That shit was dope. 
Thank you. When I think of identity and trauma, I can't help but go back to hypermasculinity mm. because of me being a queer person and being in certain spaces, I would limit myself because of the perceptions I received about who I was, um, how I needed to be, what I needed to be for some people, especially my mother. Um, so hypermasculinity was kind of, it, it was triggering to me, but also I was also using it to protect myself in certain spaces. But at the end of the day, it's not productive because I'm not being myself. So that's where I go when I, when I think of identities and trauma. Um, it also makes me wonder, you know, just me, where I am cognitively with certain parts of my life mm -hmm. based on needs not being met, based on um, just availability and support. So sometimes I wonder, like, am I? Like, I know I'm a whole 27-year-old, but cognitively, am I 27? But I think anybody can argue that because we're still learning, right? And we're still trying to, because we might, listen, something can trigger a memory and you're like, what the hell? Yeah. That's something else. Yeah. It's never ending. I hope all that made sense. I think so. I think it did. Hmm. I don't know what else I would do. I mean, if we want to argue gender norms, we could. Because imagine, and we talked about this last night, right, when we talked about my parents. Imagine if something were to happen to to my mother. Mm -hmm. That could put, I mean, that'll be a traumatic experience for right. my father, right? One, because if something happens to her, he's not going to have her anymore. He's going to miss her. We're going to, grief. Right, lost. But then I think about the other layer of how will you sustain yourself? That could be traumatic in itself. Yeah. You're not used to. The world has not taught you and given you the skills. The world has told you that you're not supposed to have these skills. So how do you lean on them? That That is a lot for someone to have to handle. It really is. You have any other questions? I think we went through all of them. I think we went through all of them. I think we did. Well, lovely people, this, as y'all know, is the final episode of season one. Burr, 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 burr. Oh. Shan, how are you feeling about this season? I feel really good. I think that we did a great thing, and we've been wanting to podcast for a while, mm -hmm. individually and together. Yes. Um, and I think to have completed an entire 10-episode season is, like, such an accomplishment. It and really I think, is. yeah, yeah, I think we should be very proud of that. And we stay committed, even though listenership isn't necessarily, like, okay. where we want it to be. I think that having finished a whole season is really significant. And having the intention of having mm -hmm. a second season is it's kind of unbelievable. It's a little baby. It is. <laughs> you know, and I do have to recognize prou how proud I am 
of what we've done because I can't shy away from it. Like, we really did this. Yeah. We did a whole 10 episodes. A whole 10 episodes. Content is just floating on the internet, so this might be... It's forever in the internet, right? Right. Anybody can access this. So even if we don't have all the viewers that we might be wishing, or that I might be wishing for, I don't know if we're wishing for that, but... This is this is here online for people to access whenever they want to, whenever they find it. Access, ooh, access it again. You said access is important. Yeah, it is. It's important, mm-hmm. and I think it's it helps us feel a little more connected and a little less lonely. Yeah, in the world to know that there are people out there who have had and come from more a more. Um, traumatic experiential living and they are out here trying to move in the world differently and it can be really lonely yeah oh yeah so to even just know that there are people who exist and have this to say it can also be like informative and help us on our own journeys and I think that's a really cool thing Yes. Do you have a favorite episode of the season? Ooh, good question. Oh my God, what are we basing it on? Whatever you want to. I think my favorite episode is probably Kiki and Get to Know Your Host. <laughs> that, was <a> good <laughs> that was a good episode. It was just like authentically us and really letting the people know that we are sometimes chaotic good. Okay. <laughs> I cannot pick. Mm-mm. Yes. I can't pick. I mean, I love this episode. It's this just, is, it's, it's so good. Right? This episode, the body image episode was fucking dope. Living in the de- multi-generational households, dumping your therapist. Now I'm just going down the list at this point. You really? I mean. <laughs> I'm reading the episode list. <laughs> Everything was good. And I think that it's, for me, it's helped me. Maybe that's what's been happening too. The podcast might have been helping me to understand myself some more and become more vulnerable. I'm pretty vulnerable with you, but I think I've gotten much more, I've got a grasp of what's, Affecting me, how, where it comes from, and yeah, it's been therapeutic for me. Yeah, I love that. I love that yikes. so much. You say yikes, yikes, <laughs> yikes. Well, you guys, we appreciate the listenership, yeah. and please, please join in the conversation with us. You can tell us about how you've gone from your traumas or, you know, how you're trying to navigate through and, you know, share with us your episode takeaways if you have them or your season takeaways if you have them. You can send us an email at speakingfromtheshadows at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at shadows underscore talks underscore. You can follow us on Instagram <laughs> at Speaking from the Shadows. You can follow us on TikTok. 
What's our TikTok something? Speaking from the shadows underscore. You better know these social medias. <laughs> I need to learn them still. <laughs> I'm just trying to get our peeps to talk to and engage with us. And uh, I, I really I really value connection in that way. Yes. Um, and also, you know, I got a nice little memory on me sometimes. Period. <laughs> Only sometimes. But before we go... Oh, wait. Let me add something. Oh, yes. If you have a friend, family member, whatever the case... You're telling them to share the podcast. Listen. Yes, share the podcast. But what if you find someone in your family that's you know interested in these topics but can't access Spotify, Apple Music... Whatever the case, if you don't have any suggestions where, where you would want us to post the episodes, please let us know. Oh, I love that. Right? I mean, listen, even if we, you know, maybe we can, we can discuss with management. <laughs> we can discuss with management uploading the episodes, the we audios can, onto YouTube. We can take it up with our producers. Yeah, we'll talk to the producers and then we'll see what they think about uploading the episodes to YouTube. I think that's um, good. I like yeah. that. So, Shan, you were asking me a question. Yes, Franklin. What's your favorite song right now? My favorite song right now is Party by Bad Bunny and Raul Alejandro because Ooh. I am caught up and I don't know how to get up and get out. <laughs> Bad Bunny has, uh, has me mm -hmm, on a tight ship and I don't know what to do. <sighs> You love me some bad bunny. That fucking album. <laughs> that fucking album. He has some there's something about him. He said he's just up there. Like he is just one of the top most streamed artists. Like he he is so consistent and consistent and consistent. And I'm like, yo, your talent is just unstoppable. I love that. What you been bumping to? About Damn Time by Lizzo. That's the other one. Yep. <laughs> it's about damn time. Anyway. <laughs> In a minute, I'm going to need a sentimental man and woman to pump me up. Feeling fuzzy, walking in my Balenciennes, trying to bring out the fabulous. Cause I give a fuck way too much. I'm going to need like two shots in my cup. Want to get up, uh. want to get up. I feel right now. We did it. We did. Thank you all for listening. Thank you very much for participating in such a great season. Yes, it's been a great season, and we will see you guys in a little bit. Or, well, you'll hear us in a little okay. bit. Okay. <laughs> Thank you all so much for tuning in. And until next season, mm -hmm. remember, define yourself for yourself. Use your voice and, and be, be great. great.